Thanks for tuning in to the Lake Forest Church Podcast. Lake Forest is a community for people who have given up on church, but not on God. If you'd like to learn more about our churches in Huntersville, Davidson, and Denver, North Carolina, you can check us out online at lakeforest.org. Well, I could not be more excited uh, today to launch this new series with you, Releasing Anxiety. I remember as a child, I was often... Well, uh, to be honest, I was just wrecked with anxiety as a kid. I, I worried about everything. Uh, I worried uh, about not having someone to sit with at the cafeteria table in middle school. Are you ever worried about that? I, I worried about was, were there going to be any friends in my classes. Uh, I worried about making the football team. Then I worried about what would happen if the coach act actually put me in the game. Right? <laughs> I, I, I just I worried upon worry upon worry. And, and uh, I remember just thinking, gosh, it must be so nice to be an adult and never have to worry about anything. I just thought that must be really, really nice. And, and then I became one, right? I, I graduated high school, and uh, then I had a whole new set of worries. I had to worry about rent and bills and college and what was I going to do with my life. And, and then I had to worry about, you know, was I ever going to find uh, someone who would want to marry me that I wanted to marry? And, and then I, I finally found someone who was willing to do that. And even if it was a moment of bad judgment on her part, I at least got my foot in the door. And then, and then we got married, and then we started to worry about other things. Like, are, do we buy a house? Do we rent? Like, where are we going to live? And are we ever going to have kids? And, and then, sure enough, she got pregnant, and, and then we had our first child. And I remember in the hospital, there was like this 10 minutes of bliss where I had no worries. And then it dawned on me that I had to take this baby home and raise it. And who, was, who thought I was qualified for that, right? So I remember thinking, uh, we got home, and I thought, gosh, now for the next 18 years, all I'm going to do is worry about this baby. But I was wrong. Because that baby's going to college this year, and the worry is staying home. It's not fair, parents, all right? Like, you get this feeling. You never stop, do you? You never stop. I've had worry and anxiety in my life in one form or another uh, for over 40 years now. I've known worry and anxiety in different seasons, in different phases. And here's, here's the one thing I've come to know about worry and anxiety. One thing I, I've really come to believe is that worry and anxiety are not my friends. They are not my friends. Worry uh, tries to get me to live in a future that I cannot control. To worry about a past that I cannot change and to miss out entirely on the present where my real life is actually found. Worry and anxiety are not my friends. I was thinking about this this week. It's really kind of funny. Uh, my wife and I have a weekly date night and uh, we were in Burkdale for our date night and we were having dinner and, and I, I guess I was just wearing worry on my face, you know, and it's just troubled face and she looks at me, she said, are, are you troubled about something? What are you, what are you worried about? And I said, I'm worried about this sermon on worry. I mean, how dark is my darkness? That that's my reality, right? And, uh, but that's just kind of the world we live in. And maybe that's the world you live in, right? And maybe your worries are different. Probably, they probably are. All of our we, we have some general common areas, but you know, your worries are unique and specific to your life, too. But worry has been a part of the human struggle uh, since the very beginning. The very, very beginning, the very first humans lived with worry. In fact, I love the way worry shows up in the Psalms, in the Old Testament, in the prayers of God's people. Uh, one of my favorites is from Psalm 55. Listen to, listen to the worry in this prayer. 
The psalmist writes, my heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come over me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Anyone ever prayed that prayer? God, could I just fly out of here, right? That's been my prayer. Maybe that's been your prayer at different times. Today, as we start this series on anxiety, releasing anxiety, I want to be really clear about why we chose the title that we did. Uh, Because we, we thought about, should we call this overcoming anxiety? Or should we call it moving past anxiety? And, and just as a, a moment of confession, I want you to know from my life, I, I don't actually believe that that is the journey for the Christian. In, in my life of faith, faith has become a, a, a deeply, deeply valuable piece of how I cope with anxiety and worry in my life. But my life is not worry-free. My life is not anxiety-free. And in fact, today I'm going to make the case that I don't actually think a worry-free life is what God calls us to. But I do believe that faith in Jesus can give us a deep and lasting sense of peace in the midst of troubles in this life that, can, that comes from no other source but from a gracious God. And that's what I want to jump in with you today. Uh, we need to do a little bit of definition of terms. Uh, the American Psychological Association identifies all different kinds of anxieties. Uh, there are social anxieties, right? Uh, There are panic attack, panic disorder. There's uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder is a form of anxiety. There are uh, anxiety-induced depression uh, issues that we all relate to. Now, these are some of the specializations. We're going to talk about these in the coming weeks. In fact, in two weeks, I'm going to have a special guest, a friend of mine, Roger Edwards, from the Barnabas Center. Barnabas is a Christian counseling center, and Roger Edwards is going to share the stage with me. And we're going to talk about some of these, these more complex anxiety issues. And how do we know when, when we need to get professional help or, or when that might be good? Or, or what role might medication play as we try to uh, have a, design a comprehensive growth plan? But today, as we start the series, today I want to zero in on a particular kind of anxiety that is common to almost all of us. Uh, It's what psychologists call worry anxiety. Worry anxiety. Uh, Now, one of the things that makes worry anxiety so challenging uh, is that we can often feel like we are alone, that we are the only ones who feel this way, that there's something wrong with me or, or my faith isn't strong enough if I'm feeling this. And because this is so pervasive, especially in churches, I wanted to start this morning with a group confession. Are you all ready for a group confession? I'm going to read from a list of worries. I want you to listen for yours, okay? And then at the end of this list, if you have ever worried about any of these things, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand, okay? And some of you are worried about when to raise your hand. You you raise it at the end, okay? Don't don't worry, don't worry, all right? But uh, here we go. So just listen to these. See if any of these are things you've ever worried about. If you've ever worried about your finances, your bills, the economy, or your retirement account, If you've ever worried about your job, your performance, or what your boss thinks of you. If you've ever worried about making the team, making the cut, or making the grades. Or you worry about the Panthers ever winning a Super Bowl, or Denver never getting a Starbucks. If if you worry about your future, your past mistakes, your health, or your purpose in life. Or you worry about your kid's future, your kid's mistakes, your kid's health, or your kid's purpose in life. 
If you've worried about your aging parents or a sick loved one, if you've worried about your marriage or your child's relationships, or will you ever get married or will you ever get married again? If you've worried uh, about what someone else is doing on Snap or Insta or missing out or not being included, if you've ever worried about what others think of you or if they don't think of you, or worried about being liked, loved, included, invited, or simply not being enough, if you've ever worried about any of these things or any other things, would you raise your hand? Now, keep the hands up. Some overachievers, you're like, I'm all of them, right? That's fine. That's right. You can do that. Keep them up. Now, look around at the room. Look around the room, okay? You are not alone. You are not alone. Yeah? Yeah, that's worth cheering about, isn't it? I think that is. Because it can be so isolating when we feel like we are the only ones suffering under the weight of anxiety. Now, here's the truth. Here's the truth of that exercise I hope you will get this morning. That to worry is to be human. To worry is to be human. Let me see if I can prove this to you. Uh, Worry is actually something that happens inside of our bodies. Uh, In fact, the psalmist talks about worry being in the bones. Have you ever felt that kind of worry before? A bone-deep worry. Uh, But in fact, this is the way God has designed our bodies. Our bodies are designed to feel anxiety when anxiety will be helpful. The truth is, not all anxiety is bad. Uh, Think about this way. Kids, you'll remember this from your biology class last year, right? You remember what it's called when a a threat comes into your environment? It's called the fight or flight. You remember this from biology? So here's when anxiety is good. Let's say you are camping in Boone and a bear comes into your campground, right? This is a good kind of anxiety to feel. Some of you have experienced this before. The bears there. Now, what happens in that moment? Well, a little part of your brain called the amygdala starts firing. Your pulse starts quickening, your muscles tense up, cortisol and adrenaline surge into your veins, and you are ready to run. Now, the good news is you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to be able to outrun your spouse, right? That's, that's the only thing in that moment. But in that moment, is anxiety a good thing or a bad thing? It's good. That's the end good, right? That's going to serve you. And then what happens is when the threat of that bear is gone, it's munching on your spouse. At that moment, your body begins to recover. And the, the cortisol and the adrenaline are purged out. Your muscles rest. Your heart rate goes down. And you're restored to a state of rest. That's good. That's God's design. Now, the problem comes, though, when the threat is not a real threat in our external environment, but it is an imaginary threat inside of our brains. In that case, guess what your body does? Your amygdala tells your heart rate to quicken, your muscles to tighten, cortisol and adrenaline surge into your body, and you feel like you should run. Because your brain doesn't know the difference between an external threat and an internal one. And when we live in that state of anxiety, where the threat is constantly there, we are turning it over and over in our heads, our bodies are racked in a way that takes a deep, deep, deep toll on not just our bodies, but our overall health and our relationships. Such is the consequence of anxiety and worry in our lives. Now, how does God feel about all this stuff, right? How does Jesus feel about worry and anxiety in our lives? Well, I've come to believe that that Jesus feels deeply, deeply, deeply compassionate towards those of us who worry. I, I think that Jesus hates worry because he knows what it does to our lives and to our relationships and to our bodies. He, he, he loathes worry, but he feels only tenderness and compassion 
to warriors. And my hope today is that you might taste of just a little bit of that compassion from Jesus. Uh, One of the most famous passages in all of the Bible, uh, Jesus' most famous sermon is found in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 6. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it takes up about three chapters. And right in the middle of that sermon, Jesus gives a little TED Talk on anxiety. And it is world famous. And the wisdom that he gives here is quite remarkable. And so what I want to do with the few minutes we have remaining, I want to walk through Jesus' teaching on worry. Because this has really served me in my own journey. I'm going to call out a couple things. And then we're going to end by this. I'm going to give you five simple steps that you might consider taking this week. You don't have to do all of them. Don't worry. You can do one. You can do all. It's up to you. I'm going to give five simple steps that we can put Jesus' teaching into action. So that's where we're headed. We're going to look at Jesus, what he has to say about worry, and then I'm going to give us five steps. We game? We game? All right, here we go. Jumping in, jumping in, Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Let's pray and go home. It's not that simple, is it? But Jesus knows it's not that simple. Look at what he says. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Interesting. Jesus begins his teaching with the two most common worries in the ancient world. Food and clothing. This is kind of hard for us to get our minds around, but in the ancient world, in Jesus' time, most people did not know what they were going to eat tomorrow, right? You and I, we've, we've got so much food in our pan. We've got like a month's worth of food in our freezer in the garage alone, right? Not in the ancient world. And clothing was the same kind of way. In Jesus' day, most people made their own clothes, and those clothes wore out very, very quickly. Uh, You and I, we've we've got so many clothes in our closet that periodically we have to fill a bag and take it to some donation station, right? Very different. But, uh, in fact, uh, people in the ancient world would have looked at you and me, and they would have said, man, y'all got nothing to worry about. What are you worrying about, right? But the truth is, we have our own set of worries. We've got financial worries, marriage worries, health worries, tuition worries. And even though our worries are different, there is something that all worry has in common. And that is this. All worry. Worry is always about tomorrow. Worry is always about tomorrow. Notice what Jesus says here. What you will eat or what you will wear. Worry at its core is always about trying to control something about tomorrow. The American Psychological Association defines worry this way. They say, worry is a preoccupation with the future that robs you of life in the present. That's pretty good, isn't it? I I think Jesus is saying the same thing here. Jesus begins by inviting us to admit what we all already know to be true. When I worry, when you worry, we are trying to control something about the future that is beyond our control. When you and I worry, we are spending today's energy trying to control tomorrow's outcome. But look at what Jesus says next. This is just brilliant. He continues, is not life, is not your life, is not my life more than food and the body more than clothes? In other words, Jesus says, is not life more than that thing that you were worried about? Isn't our life bigger than that thing we're worried about? Isn't life about more than just that one thing? And in our saner moments, when there's no bear attacking, right? In our saner moments, we go like, 
Well, duh, right? I mean, it, I worry about that, but that's, that's not, my life's bigger than that. But in the moment, when the threat is there, when we're turning the worry over and over again, it can feel like our very life is at stake. I remember when uh, in ninth grade, I decided I was going to go try out for the high school musical. Uh, now, I had never done any of that thing before, and this year's musical was Singing in the Rain, right? And so for the audition, you had to go in and you had to sing the main song. I'm singing in the rain, just singing. Okay, it's still not good, but you get the idea, right? The problem was in ninth grade, I was in the throes of puberty, and my voice cracked about every third word. And so I went in for this audition, and I just humiliated myself. I mean, it was terrible. And I went home, and I remember telling my mom what, what every teenager tells mom in this moment. Right? I went to mom and said, Mom, I don't think I'm ever going to make the cast. And if I don't make that cast, Mom, I think I'm going to die. Really? Really? Are you? But that's what it felt like, didn't it? Because I was equating that worry with life itself. Now, because some of y'all are going to worry how the story ends, don't worry, I did make the cast, uh, but it was really kind of funny. I actually had one speaking line, and there were two songs that I was on stage for, but the director said this to me. She said, Aaron, I want you to mouth the words but not sing. (laughs) Thus was the beginning and end of my Broadway career. Now, uh, a man named Dr. Archibald Hart uh, wrote a book called The Anxiety Cure. He's a Christian uh, psychologist, uh, been immensely helpful to me in my journey. I highly commend the book. Uh, He says that oftentimes our problems with worries is that they go unexamined. We kind of just let them spiral and spiral and spiral, but we never actually sit down to consider what we are worried about. And here's what he commends as a step. And he he says, this is what he thinks Jesus is kind of getting at here. He says, we need to take that worry, that thing that we're so preoccupied with, and we need to play that movie forward. In other words, we need to, our chart says, take our what if and change it into a so what. Take our what if and change it into a so what. Let me give you an example. Mom, what if they never let me on the cast and I'm just embarrassed? I can't believe. Okay. So what if they never let me on the cast? Do you, do you see how that works? Or, or how, about, how about this one? What if, what if I try out for the team and I, I don't make it? Or, or, or what if I ask her out and she says no? Or what if they find out that I'm not as perfect as they think I am? So what if I ask her out and she says no? So what? If, I find, if they find out I'm not as perfect as they think I am. Right? You see, changing your what if into a so what does not alleviate the worry, but it takes something that feels like it's out of control way up there, and it brings it down to earth where we can manage it and really consider its truthfulness. Now, look at what Jesus says next. He senses that the lesson is getting a little serious. We're kind of feeling that right now, too. So he decides, you know what, we're gonna, I'm going to bring in a couple illustrations. Specifically, he's going to bring in two illustrations, one about the birds and the other about flowers, okay? Birds and, not birds and bees, that's a different sermon. Birds and flowers, birds and flowers today. Uh, look with me at verse 26. Look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What's Jesus saying here? Well, the point is not that we are to behave like birds. 
Jesus is not saying we should imitate the birds. He is simply drawing a contrast. Now, listen, I like birds just as much as you do, but let's face it, birds are dumb creatures. They have bird brains, literally. They don't know what they're doing, right? It gets cold. What do birds, and they just, they, they don't know why. They just start flying south. They don't even have reservations. They're just on their way. It's kind of like some of y'all after Thanksgiving. You just get in your car and you drive to Florida. You don't know why, but you're just kind of going, right? Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't know what they're doing. But you, you have a God-given ability to sow, to reap, to store. You have a God-given ability to imagine the future and to act in the present. Now, that is a reflection of the image of God stamped in every man and woman he ever created. The question is, what will we do with that God-given ability? And what we choose to do with that is the difference between sowing and worrying. Let me see if I can illustrate this. In the ancient Jewish worldview, sowing and reaping was distinctively human activity. Right? So the Old Testament speaks about that you will reap what you sow. We sow, but it is the Lord who causes the plant to grow. So whenever we hear the word sowing and reaping in the scriptures, we know that that's referring specifically to human domain, human control. These are the things Jesus says you have control over. But he says, be careful. Be careful that you don't overreach in what you think you can control. That's why he ends this verse by saying, Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Well, Jesus, no, I can take some hours off of my life. I know how to do that. But I can't. That's not within my control. So do you see what Jesus is doing here? Arch Hart again points out just how important this concept is for worriers. The first question we need to ask ourselves about worry is this. Is this something I have control over? Is this something I can control? In other words, is this something that I can affect with my actions right now? Let me give an example of this. Let's say you have a two-year-old, hypothetically, uh, you have a two-year-old at home, and that two-year-old is kind of toddling their way. They've got a fork in their hand. They're kind of toddling their way over to that electrical socket, right? And and you're starting to worry about this. You don't worry about it when it's your husband, but when it's your two-year-old, you're worried. And in that moment, you have a choice, don't you? You can either do something about it, or you cannot. You, you can wrap them in bubble wrap, and they can't ever touch anything. Or, or, right? or no, you don't do that. You go to the Walmart, you buy the little plastic, what do they call those anyways? The little safety plugs, pop them in, right? That is within your power. But, can you wrap that child in bubble wrap and guarantee that he or she will never stub their toe, never get sick, never cry, never experience rejection? No. That is not within your control. Jesus says we have to be very careful to distinguish what we can and cannot control. But Jesus knew just how hard this was for us to grasp. So he continues with his illustration. Look at the very next verse. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. See, now we're talking about God, right? Remember, humans sow and reap. God causes it to grow. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, that's one of the great kings in the Old Testament, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? And then he adds this curious phrase, 
Oh, you of little faith. We'll come to that in just a second. See, Jesus says, hey, hey guys, uh, do, you, do you see the birds? You see the birds? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, we see the birds. Okay. Do, do you see the flowers? Yeah, yeah, Jesus, we, we, we see the flowers. Uh, if God goes to so much length to take care of them, will he not much more? How much more so will he do for you? How much more valuable to him are you? Oh, you of little faith. Now, I mentioned that word, little faith. I think it's here that we actually get a glimpse into the heart and compassion of Jesus. The question that sits at the center of our soul. Does God see me? Does God care about me? Does God really, really, I mean, does he really know my needs? This phrase, a uh, little faith, I remember the first time I was reading the Bible, I was a new Christian, and I was reading this, and I, I read that, and I felt a little bit uncomfortable, because it kind of felt like Jesus was mocking them, right? Like, oh, you guys, you stink at faith. You know, that's, that's what it felt like. What, Jesus, why are you being like, oh, oh, you need to flex that faith muscle, and then you guys won't worry so much. That, that's how I read it. Was years later when I was studying this passage in depth and looking at some of the original language, and there's something very curious that goes on here. Jesus takes two words, one for little and one for faithing or faither, and, and he puts them together. And this combination of these two words occurs nowhere else in the entire history of Greek literature. Jesus is the only one to put these together. And if we translate it the way Jesus used it, this is how it sounds. He says, hey, have you seen the birds? Yeah. Have you seen the flowers? Yeah. How much more will your father, oh, you little faithers? You see, I think... It's meant to elicit a little chuckle there, right? Oh, you little faithers, you. He's not mocking them. This is a term of endearment. It's an indication that it doesn't take more than a mustard seed of faith to turn to God and to cause God to want to just rush into our lives. So, so, if it really is true that God sees our needs, what are we to do when we feel worry coming on? Well, look at what Jesus says in the very next verse. When you are worried, don't say to yourself, what shall I eat or what shall I drink or what shall I wear? What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? For the pagans, don't get hung up on that. That just means everybody else. For everyone else runs after all these things. And remember, remember the birds, remember the flowers, remember your heavenly father knows that you need them. And instead... Instead, instead do this. Seek first his kingdom and its righteousness. And all these other worries will be taken care of as well. What does this mean? What does this mean? Well, it means that when worry is coming on, when anxiety, the amygdala is firing, the cortisol is when worry is coming on, you and I have a choice. We have a choice. Now, I want to pause there because some of you experience anxiety in such a way that it feels like you do not have a choice. And I really believe that that is real. There is intense anxiety at times where it does, we don't have any power. And we're going to talk about that when my friend uh, Roger Edwards comes in two weeks. But for much of our fear, normal worry anxiety, in that moment we're confronted with a choice. And this is the choice we have to make. We are either going to give ourselves into that worry cycle spiraling out of control, or, or Jesus says, 
we can look and ask, where is God at work in the midst of this worry? I'm either spiraling out, or is it possible that God is at work even right now in this worry with me? That's what it means to seek the kingdom. It's to look for what God is doing today when we are consumed with tomorrow. And this is what I think is so remarkable about the Christian message. That's what the kingdom is all about. It's about the presence and the power and the peace of God that can be with us because of what Jesus has done. Remember when Jesus first showed up on the scene, what did he do to announce his presence? He said, the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. It's right here. It's now. Repent, turn to God and believe. He taught his disciples to pray this way. He said, our Father, our Father in heaven, who knows our needs. Remember birds, flowers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come in my heart, in my life, in my family, in my home, in my neighborhood, as it is in heaven. So how do we do that? How do we begin to notice what God is doing in the midst of our anxiety and invite him into that journey with us? Well, in light of what Jesus taught in this passage, I want to offer you the five simple things. We'll do these quickly. This won't take too long. Five ways that we can put into practice some of what Jesus is teaching us about worry. And because worry is physical, uh, I've actually got some hand motions to go with this. So I don't have a song. My kids said, Dad, you should have had a song. Then it would have been like Sunday school. But I don't have a song, but I do have hand motions. So you can play along with me. So five ways that we can practice this this week. Ready? First thing is this. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Here's the motion. You wrap your, give yourself a hug. Everybody put your arms around yourself. Arms around yourself. Give yourself a hug. Right? Be kind to yourself. You know, one of the things I've learned in my own journey with anxiety is just how much extra damage we do to ourselves by heaping shame and guilt on top of that worry that we're already carrying, right? Man, I don't know why. I'm, I shouldn't be. I should be bigger. Oh, my face should. And I just should, 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 right? I just keep doing that on myself. And that never helps. And if Jesus really is compassionate about our worries, why would we not be compassionate towards ourselves? What if this week, when that anxiety, that worry is coming on, what if you just, just the only step you did this week, see, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to be kind to myself. You know, I'm not going to shame. I'm not going to beat myself up. It's okay. To be, to be human is to worry. This makes sense. So that's the first thing. Be kind to yourself. Second thing is this. You need to ask yourself, is this worry, I'm going to take that word, remember? I'm going to take that word. Is this worry something that I can control? Everyone do control, right? So, so I'm kind to myself. Is this something I can control? Now, some of our worries we can control. If you are worried about the test tomorrow, what should you do tonight? Study. Set aside an hour and study, right? Just, that will help you be ready for your test. Some of you have tests tomorrow. You're like, yeah, okay, Aaron, I'll do that, yes. Or, or okay, how about this one? If, if there is a bill that needs paying and you're worried about it and you have money in the checking account, what should you do? Pay the bill. Pay the bill, right? But if you're like me, sometimes if you're just worried. Like, I spend hours worried. I could have solved that in two minutes. That's within my control. This one's a little tougher. Uh, I've had to do this in some of my friendships lately. Uh, what if there's something between you and another person? What should you do? Well, you should reach out. 
try to reconcile that relationship, right? You, you say, that's within your control. You can't heal the relationship, but you can make the phone call. You can write the letter, send the card. That's within your control. Get a feel for this? Some of our worries are within our control. Not all of them. And we have to discern the difference. Which leads to the, sec- uh, excuse me, the third action. We're going to be kind to ourselves. Is this within my control? Third step is this. I'm going to practice, so what? So what? Okay, this is not something within my control, but so what if this happens? So what? Will I be okay? Will God still love me? Will I still be alive? So what? You getting a feel for that? There's another version of the so what that's important. Uh, I don't know about you, but one of the kind of anxieties I really wrestle with is regrets. I hate regret. I'll lie there on my pillow and think, oh, I should have said this, I shouldn't have said that, or I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that, right? And I just play over and over and over again. If you're dealing with anxiety from the past, you don't use so what, but you just use the phrase, oh well. So here's so what, and you just pull your arms in. Oh well, right? Be kind to myself. Is this in my control? So what? Oh well. And fourth is this. We ask God to help us trust that he really knows our needs. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I wish that my default position was believing that God always knows my needs. But oftentimes what I find my prayers being, God, would you help me remember that you know my needs? Would you help me remember? I'm struggling to remember that right now. Would you help me? So we start, kind to ourselves. Is it in my control? So what? God, would you help me remember? We're getting our hand motions. We're almost done. Almost done. Kind to ourselves. Is it within my control? So what? God, would you help me? And then fifth and finally, and this is the lamest hand motion because I couldn't think of anything else. We need to look. (laughs) I know it feels, now we're into Sunday school. We need to look for what God is doing right in that moment already. Look for ways to participate in what God is doing in our life today. Towards the end of Jesus' life, uh, he came back to his followers and they gathered for one last meal together. It's really interesting to me that of all the subjects that Jesus could have talked about at that meal, you know what he talked about? He talked about worry. He talked about worry. Because Jesus knew that the Christian life is not a life that is free from trouble. He said, in this life, look, you're going to have trouble. What's on the menu for tomorrow? Trouble. Day after that? Well, trouble for that day too. It's a daily special all week long, by the way. That's just what we're serving, right? You're going to have trouble, Jesus says. But do you remember what he said to his followers at the last meal? He said, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, there is a kind of peace that I believe Jesus makes available to us in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our worries, that is unlike any other peace we can know in our life. It's not that our Christian life is a life that is free from trouble, but it is a life of the presence and power of God that is greater than our troubles, even in the midst of our troubles. And what if, what if, what if God wanted to meet you in the midst of your worries and your anxieties this week? What if he really knows your needs? What if he really is greater than your troubles? 
I hope you'll take, uh, take me up on the invitation this week. You don't have to do all five, right? If you only do one, why don't you just be kind to yourself, right? That'd be a great start. Be kind to yourself. It's hard. Life is full of troubles, Jesus says. You shouldn't be surprised that you're stressed out and worried and anxious. We all are. To worry is to be human. Jesus says, do what you can if, if it's in your control. Release the things that are beyond your control. Ask God for help. And be on the lookout for how he might be meeting you right in the midst of those worries. Can we pray?